Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Natasha Stewart podcast. In this episode, I am joined by Alan Riva, who, while I was listening to this, I realized was totally downplayed, but this guy is really amazing. He is an advisor and a mentor for really major companies and helps them connect their purpose and their authenticity through their marketing and their business strategies. People like Chobani, who I knew I could name drop and you guys would know who that is, but he is a really big deal and he would never say that. He is just, he's that person. But I just wanted to make a note of the fact that he really is amazing and what he's saying here is just really meaningful and it is going to require a level of your presence to listen to this and your undivided attention to really grasp what is being said here. I think that this is going to be one of the most meaningful conversations that I would have had and I'm just really excited that I'm even able to have this conversation with him. I'm really excited that I'm even able to share this conversation at all. It it just this is this this is the reason why I wanted a podcast in the first place. And so thank you Riva for being here. Also, I have my first promo code in this episode. So stay tuned for that. That's in there. So look out for my first ever promo code. And um, thank you. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you for pressing play on this. I hope that you do get through this. Don't ever feel like you need to get through a podcast at once. It's, it's not usually meant for that. I mean, especially for something that is this long. I mean, definitely watch it in increments if you can. But I think it's very important that you get through the whole episode because there's so many really great gems in here and and I'm just really happy to be sharing this and I know that a lot will be gained if you listen to this with a lot of presence so thank you for pressing play again and I hope that you enjoy hi guys welcome to the Natasha Stewart podcast we are officially at episode five this is very exciting for me um, today I am joined by Alan Riva, who you will hear me call just Riva because that is what I know him as. Um, I met Riva many years ago when I was just a little girl. He was here in Belize, really good friends with my dad and stepmom. Um, he was here um, working on an eco resort that some people might remember, um, which was called Salamander Resort. And um, which later became El Secreto, which unfortunately is not functioning right now, but hopefully someday, you know, it's resurrected. Um, Riva recently like visited Belize like not too long ago, but we were able to reconnect and um, we have each other on social media and I noticed he's doing a lot of really amazing things. And so We've been able to keep up with each other's lives and in that way I'm really grateful for social media that we get to be on different sides of the world and still able to be connected with each other and see what each other are doing and all of that great stuff. Um, Riva's actually in Australia right now and it is like 10.30 a.m. for him and it is um, Tuesday and it's Monday for me and it's 6 30 p.m so he already knows what's happening tomorrow and um so yeah and more about Riva um so he is 
a, uh, I don't even know. You're going to have to correct me on this, maybe. But Riva has found a career in connecting businesses with their purpose and their passion and authenticity and connecting that with their team and their employees and their clientele, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, you will have to clarify me on that. And just, we're going to talk about that even more. I thought that it would be really great to have you here because a lot of your principles and concepts and the way that you even came about are really the most important things. And I think right now, especially in this pandemic and in everything that's happening, we are seeing what is most important. And I feel like this episode might not be the most popular because it's maybe not controversial or it's not whatever it is, you know, people always like the drama or whatever, but I do think it will be the most meaningful or at least one of the most meaningful ones. And if there is just that one person that takes this in and and it changes a little bit about the trajectory of their lives, then everything that we say today will be it will be great and and that's my whole reason and so with all of that being said oh I forgot to mention you're also an author um you have a new book and um also a little tiny little book that we're going to share up uh, towards the end or maybe even within um the show so we'll get into all of that um so yeah Hi, Riva. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It's always so lovely to chat and, and to connect. And um, I'll, uh, I'll aim to call you Natasha, but I might switch <laughs> into Tashi, obviously. So uh, I knew you when, uh, when we, we met all those years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's totally fine. You're allowed. Um, I've tried to drop the Tashi thing because I've grown up now, but it, it hasn't happened. So it's okay. You can... If Tashi represents your inner child, that's a, it's still a very healthy and joyful and beautiful spirit to hold on to. Okay, I'll keep it. I'll keep it. I'm convinced. <laughs> it didn't take much. I actually really love it and I, I have embraced it as of late. Like, I'm just like, okay, I'll just I'll always be Tashi. And so it does. It does represent my inner child. To get into it, um, the first kind of question or where I usually like to start is to kind of have a background on you. Um, Just kind of tell us, you know, kind of where you began, where you were born and and everything, and then how you ended up here and in this career and finding a career in something that I feel like is very, um, I don't know, unconventional or something. I'm not sure, but uh just kind of your background story that might be vague but we'll go within it and i'll um i'll I'll sort of like maybe skim through it and then just feel free to ask to drop into anything in more depth but um yeah i'm so super originally i was born in uh born in england Mm -hmm. um and um and then if we kind of skip forward a few years I'm happy to go into childhood and stuff but if we skip forward a few years um, one of the things that has led me to where I am now um, has been following intuition 
sort of that inner voice, you know, like we, we have different aspects of ourselves. And one of those, the, the muscle that is most used is our fixed mind. Um, and um, that's the one that's trained through schooling and through culture and, and through work and all sorts of other things, all every, every interaction that we have. And um, it's super useful, but like a muscle in our body, it's only one aspect of us. And so intuition, which some cultures call your gut feel, others it's your inner voice, um, others it's inner say, and, and, but intuition is just what I'll refer to it as, mm-hmm. um, is what kind of led me on a fun and non-traditional journey into into the work world and um yeah it led me to to places like living in the himalayas uh where i lived for a while just prior to coming out to beautiful belize and the island um and um and so there i i uh, spent time both working as a guide uh, in the mountains um but also and then also helping um build some businesses but really that for me was um, the hidden gem in that, or there's many of them, was just the opportunity to connect deeply with nature and mm-hmm. then through the deep nature to reconnect with myself. And so I, I kind of got to see myself uh, from outside of myself, if that makes sense. So I had created a whole bunch of identities as I was growing up through school and with mates and all this kind of stuff. And they were great, but they weren't all of me. Mm-hmm. And, and the kind of the time and space in the hills and, and that we get in any nature, especially as such a great facilitator for this, stills our mind and enables us to come back to who we truly are. Um, and, um, and so after the Himalayas um, and that experience, it was pretty hard for me not to continue to follow my intuition because it had been so fulfilling and abundant on so many levels. You know, it, it had given me more of myself. I'd had some incredible experiences and naturally created some beautiful friendships. And then also expanded into, I guess, the early days of the world of work. And, and I guess knowing that I could um, make ends meet um, and beyond by um, not having to necessarily just follow the path of, in England, it would have been you know, going into the corporate world, sitting in an office, doing that for 10 to 12 to 14 to 16 hours a day, depending on the profession that you're in. Um, and for me, just to know that there's other ways of, of creating a life. And so that then led via a series of meetings um, to the time in Belize. Which was but, but before we move on, how does the Himalayas opportunity come about? And then like, what is your like educational background as well like how are you able to be helping businesses grow and all of this stuff what what did you know uh, so um so my educational background so i went through through schooling and then i went to university um mm-hmm. and at university i studied languages and business effectively so french and spanish and um and then commerce um in sort of different guises and um and so that along with then um that gave me kind of i was intrigued about the world of work but not completely blinded to it so i knew that it was a part of what i wanted to do but not Mm -hmm. everything um and um and so 
if I kind of jump forward and, and how I help people now, that question there about how I help organizations find and grow through purpose and not just organizations, but the people is over the last 20 years plus, I, um, I've sort of become maybe fluent in the language of business mm -hmm. and also the state and the language of presence. And so these two things enable me to go and sit in organizations and help them get really clear. Clarity is something that in a busy world, um, which is magnified in, in, in organizations, we, we tend to live in states of, of distraction constantly. We're mm -hmm. always thinking about our huge long to-do lists, the tasks we have to do. Technology, you know, draws us into greater distraction as well. Um, and so we start to get into these kind of unhealthy habits. Um, and so um, that early stage learning at university and then applied into businesses taught me the business language, but my lifestyle of just looking at and understanding and feeling the benefits of being present and having to bring those two together, which effectively helps create clarity. Yeah. And so that's what I bring to organizations, which is how, did, how can they clearly understand their, why they exist in the world and why they exist both to make money, but not just that. You know, often that's just, that's where the story starts and ends, especially for large businesses with shareholders, but even with small businesses as well. But we can actually grow from a financial perspective as organizations by having a greater, a commitment to a greater impact, whether it's social, environmental, all sorts of other areas. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's how, that's how that, I mean, that's the work that I do. And it has, has kind of like everything in life, it's kind of grown through all the series of experiences that I've had in the Himalayas, the business side was helping bring uh, two different businesses together in a joint venture, one in Nepal and one in India mm -hmm. to help um, with their growth. Um, and then in Belize, it was looking at how do you create an eco resort in what was quite early days for eco resorts. And this is what, 17 years ago. 16, 17, 17 years ago. 16, <laughs> 17 years ago. Well, when the project started, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16 years ago wow. when our path crossed, I guess. And um, yeah, and, and so that was about how do you conceptualize, start up a business, and then eventually, um, you know, sort of sell it on as well, which there was a, uh, a great team that was involved in that. Um, but, you know, how do you, how do, you do that? Um, and then from there, I um, moved out to Australia and there I was CEO and running businesses. Um, so, so everything is, has kind of, for me, that, that's got me, I guess, knowledgeable and fluent around the world of business, but not lost in it, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. We're um, not making it the entire story. I feel like when you do things with meaning, it makes you want to do more of it. It makes everything meaningful. And so, I mean, doing things just for money or doing things just for whatever it might be, not having that well-roundedness might make it sort of empty, which is why people might not feel super fulfilled um, when they're doing certain things. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, I mean... So life is short. 
And so the, the more joy we can bring to it, the better. Right. And, and um, joy comes from so many different sources. But one of the primary sources is just being in the moment, right? If we're in the moment with someone that we love, it's beautiful. We're deeply connected at that point, you know, whether it's a parent or a brother or a sister or a loved one, a partner, a child. There's so much joy in that. And that's a very different space from distraction. You know, we're just kind of in the moment and present with those people. And, um, and when we find that also by doing stuff that we love, that we're passionate about, as you mentioned, you know, that might be going for a surf, a swim, a walk in nature. It could be anything. It could be drawing, writing, all these things. And of course, work is an aspect of life because of the world that we live in. So it's, it's, it's great to be able to find something that you really enjoy and that you love as well, ideally. Um, and so, yeah, work is one part of the different streams of life. Mm-hmm. And if we can keep focused on and practice living in each of those streams and enriching them, then life itself gets yeah, more joyful and just, just more fun whilst we're here. Right. I agree. Um, there are many aspects of everything that you've said that I kind of want to take apart in some ways. Um, I want to start with presence and being present. I have done a lot of work in my life. I've luckily been surrounded by a lot of really great people um, that have introduced me to these things and through being introduced to them and getting more of it. And, and the base of everything is being present of everything that everyone says. Can you explain to us what that concept even means? be present yes <laughs> that's a big question it's a big um, question but it's also a simple one like everything as in simplicity is um is the experience so we know when we're present we so there's if you look at you try and break it down into two different states one is distracted mm-hmm. and one is presence and so if we then bring it down to different moments in our life which might help so let's I always find it's helpful to look at three streams of life. One is work, one is relationship, and one is our own life, ourself. So if we take relationship first, because we're all in relationship at some point with someone or and, and, and many people, presence is when you are truly, truly there with someone. You're listening deeply. You're in a state of deep empathy and everything is kind of occurring very naturally. You know, you don't have to, you're not nervous or pre-thinking, you know, what you're going to say next and all those sorts of things. You're just in flow, but you're just in this state. Presence is that state of deep connection. So you're in the moment. There's another way of talking about presence Mm -hmm. and you're sharing that with the person that you're with. And so that's presence in relationship. Presence in work is, um, Interestingly, because quite often stuff like this, presence, mindfulness, is kind of seen as like airy-fairy or woo-woo is language or all these sorts of things, right? But mm-hmm. I work with, I'm lucky enough to work with some amazing people who are CEOs and boards of, of you know, big multinational companies and all these sorts of things. And what, what we see over time is, is that when we're present in work, we're at our most potent. And so when we're distracted, if we come back to the two different states, when we're distracted in work, we are either thinking of a conversation we just had 
that stressed us, or we're pre-thinking we're going into a meeting, or we're so busy with our to-do list that we're just, we're just not in the task. And when we're present in each task, in each moment, we are at our most potent with that. We, we are at our most productive, we're at our most creative, we have the ability to be most adaptable. And all these things, especially in times of uncertainty, are really the most critical state that we can inhabit within our workspace. So you may have a hundred things to do, but if you are thinking about the other 99 things whilst you're actually in the distracted state doing this one right now, you're not doing it justice. You're not doing yourself justice in, in, in doing it to the, your fullest ability. And so, yes, you've got a hundred things, but do it. And then when you do the next one, you move into the next one. And so you're just present in each micro moment of, of your working day and in your day in general. So presence versus distraction in business is just being in the moment, deeply in task, whether it's a task that you're writing or doing, or whether it's, a, again, it's a conversation that you're having with a colleague, with a client or whoever else it might be. And then the third stream of life is with ourselves. And when we're present with ourselves, we become connected to every aspect of ourselves. So that we get connected with our intuition, with our thoughts and our emotions as well, but not, none is over dominant. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to find clarity in truly what is, we, is like that full body knowing of what is going to be um, the most fulfilling way to spend this moment right now. Not the next one or the next one or the next one. And so it draws us into these experiences that are just magical um, and not big. Sometimes they're big, but sometimes just being present with yourself whilst you're walking along the road or the beach or something, you might just walk past, here it's spring. So all the flowers are blooming, the bees are out. And I had this little experience the other day where I was just walking down the road and I just heard the bees. And then it drew me into this beautiful kind of pinky purple flower. And just for a few moments, I just, just stood there and I just, was, just watched the bees kind of, you know, doing their thing, just watched one of them. And I, everything was alive, like my sense of smell, my sense of sound, everything, you know, and it was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. And, and so looking for the, the small magic moments, not even looking for them, but allowing yourself to see and feel and experience the small moments in life can become really transformative rather than always reaching for the big goals. Or and, reaching and, and again, for everything is a balance. Right. I mean, two things that come to my mind as you're talking are one, one of the four agreements, which is to always do your best, or one of the reasons it's that is because this way you wouldn't have regrets. And I feel like being present, you're able to do your best because you're not distracted. And it's a very easy way to do your best, to just be present. And so that comes to my mind when I think of that, even when you talk about relationships, 
And a lot of the times we're very much in a culture now of having our phones and being completely distracted when we're out at dinner or we're having lunch or whatever we're doing. And that's not your best. And maybe one day something happens, which is another thing that this is bringing up for me, is the present moment is all you have. And that's one of the other very important things about it. And so this is the only moment we have. And let's say this is, I'm having this moment with you and anything can happen after this. Anything can happen, not trying to be negative or anything, but let's say something tragic happened. You look back at the last time you spent with that person. Like let's say something tragic happened to that other person. You look back and you were spending your entire time, the last time with that person on your phone. So there is that whole part of being present that is super important. That is also in like trying your best and not having that regret of like, I wasn't there. Um, and then also the present moment being all you truly have. And so we worry so much about all of these things, all of our mistakes, which there are not necessarily any, right? That's something that I can't believe I just said, because I'm so, I, that's something that really note to self on that one. But, you know, we worry so much about things that have already happened. And then we're so worried about the things that are going to happen in the future and we play out these scenarios in our head and, and I'm getting so much better at this for sure. But um, we play out all of these scenarios in our head of how it's going to go. Like I do it with my podcast too. Like I'm just like, oh my gosh, are people going to like this? How's it going to go? And then I, the whole entire week that I've had and been sitting with the podcast and editing and whatever I've been doing, when I do put it out, it did Everybody loved it. It was great. Very minor, you know, constructive criticism, but nothing that was worth what I went through the entire time mentally. Like it was very unnecessary. And even with like recently, we were having like a hurricane coming. And while it was coming, everybody was already freaking out. And yes, like, of course, you know, be alert, be aware, do what you can to be prepared. And then that's all you can do. But then we all sat there and built up the story about how it's going to go. And I remember saying to my friends, like, don't worry about it until it's time to worry about it. Because they're like, oh, is it going to be a hurricane? What is it going to be? What is it going to do? What's and, and I'm just like, that's, I can't do that. And so it came, it did turn into a hurricane, but it barely did anything and not saying that it ever won't, but there's no sense in building up the story of how it's going to go. All you really can do is prepare yourself like in an occasion like that. And you know, that's it. And then you hope for the best and that's all you can do. But there we're, we're doing that a lot in this time of COVID and this pandemic. Everybody's freaking out about scenarios that haven't happened yet and that might never happen. And then you just took away so much from your present moment from being so extremely stressed out about something that may or may not even happen. 
or that may or may not even be what they think, or that may or may not even, and so you just took away so much from yourself from this. Yes, it's, yeah, so true. And again, there's so much in just what you, you know, in what you said just now, but um, definitely something that comes up is the emotional state of worry, for example, or stress. Um, it's um, it's a natural one, but it's not helpful. So if we get take the hurricane and you were talking about people worrying before it came, mm-hmm. then that's not, that's, that's drawing them out of being present. And even if the, as the hurricane hits, worrying about it kind of creates this sense of inaction. Like you're not giving your whole self to be present with what you should do in that moment. So when real crisis hits, like uh, the hurricane hits or whatever else it might be, like expending energy, like both mental and emotional and physical energy and worrying or stressing about what's going on is taking you out of your, your ability to, to be the, your most potent self in that moment and to see, understand and adapt in the moment. So, so it's, it's a really hard one because it's, it's such an easy habit to be drawn into and such a hard one to unwind. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the understanding that, that uh, yeah, that things like worry and stress, both as a future state or a past state, to understand first that they're just not helpful for you and then is, is, is a good starting point. I mean, we move through these kind of stages of becoming aware of that to then starting to sit with it and understand perhaps a little bit as to why we react in that way. And then when you sit in that reaction, you get to understand it more. It's like a lesson, you know, like it's like, oh, it's my worry lesson again. You know, like I'm going to sit in this and understand what it is on the surface, the triggers or what the, the response on the surface is worry, but there'll be something that's triggered that. And then there'll be, often be something further back in time and then further back in time and then further back in time that will draw us to the point where we had an experience that created pain, trauma, or created a a response mechanism that tried to help control or protect us from ever experiencing that again, which became worry. If I worry about that enough, maybe it won't happen because I'll have all these plans in place. But yeah, it draws us kind of out of this, this, this state of being present and in our, in our kind of highest capacity to live life. Um, so yeah, that's, um, it's definitely something to be aware of because we move from understanding, I mean, from awareness into understanding, as we start to understand that more, we can then start to bring it into our life through embodiment and action as well. Yeah. And then, and then they support each other because as we start to do that, as we start to experience those moments with less worry, drop by drop, step by step, it's a long journey. It's a life journey, these things. But bit by bit, as we start to experience that moment that used to trigger us without, with less worry, just a little bit lower on the volume of the worry, you know, mm-hmm. then the feedback from that and the experience of that gives us greater awareness again. We're like, oh, wow. Oh, that was pretty peaceful. <laughs> and like you said, they like the podcast, you know, or the world didn't fall apart and all these sorts of things. So it's like you start to sort of see that you don't need those unhelpful aspects like worry and those reactive states so much in your life. But it is, it's a, it's a, 
it's a long journey and it's a journey that's an internal journey first because mm-hmm. you have to understand where they come from mm-hmm. what was it that happened that that your reaction to it then created this behavior or this perception that you're now on the journey of getting to know and then slowly unwind in your life yes i think that's very very um important everything you just said of course but um the part that is um standing out to me is the why and and looking inside and finding out why um and where that's coming from and in you saying that it is a life journey i know that this me even being here and able to put out a podcast is because i've made a lot of strides within myself with a lot of the fears and worries and things that i had before so it is a lot less than it has ever been so i can definitely commend myself for once I can commend myself because had I been where I was before I would have never done something like this and so having identified a lot of the whys and and having looked into myself very much I'm able to worry a lot less and I'm able to do a lot of the things that I might have talked myself out of before And I think that that's a very huge reason why people just don't take risks in their lives and, and the stories that they tell themselves before they've even given anything a shot. And so a lot of that, again, comes from like looking into yourself and the reasons why you feel like you can't do that thing that's, that you're being so drawn to do. And it's just like, but you're being drawn to this. Why don't you want to do it? And then once you do identify those things, some of the things are even so frivolous and silly about why that is, like why you have that misconception or why you've carried that your whole life, that story you've been telling yourself. Sometimes you'll realize, oh my God, that's so silly. Why am I even, why am I letting that little story hold me back from my entire life and my entire future and what could potentially be, I think, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> um, and that's sort of, sometimes people talk about, you know, the language perhaps of the humor of the universe or of life, you know, when you, you, you finally see and experience something that's been such holding you back, and you're kind of like, really? I was like holding myself back because of that, you know? And, and that's a really lovely moment, you know? Because that tends to kind of be a moment when you're freeing yourself up of, of the weight that you've been carrying. But also what's really important is that um, when you're in the experience, nothing's frivolous. Because it is, it is a weight that you have with inside yourself. And so it's just really important to acknowledge it and be present with it so that you can then experience it kind of in its fullest, which enables you to understand every aspect of it, which then gets you to that point eventually of, you know, smiling to yourself as you let it go. Because um, fear, fear is, um, is, is, a, is, is maybe one of the greatest inhibitors of mm-hmm. truly experiencing life, like life that we dream of living, like our soul dreams of living, of a joyful life, of a peaceful life, of a life of abundance in every aspect. And, um, and so, yeah, this kind of, this journey of 
understanding that fear is an inherent part of what we create through the our reaction to the experiences we've had in life is is an important one because then it enables us once we acknowledge that we can then go about unwinding and dissolving various aspects of that because and 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 we don't end up in the on our final breath and there's a lot of research that's done around for example when people pass you know what how they're feeling what their reflections are and generally the number one regret of people who pass is that they didn't live the life that they dreamed of living they left they led a life that they thought they were expected to live by others which may be parents society all these other things and that's a wow. fear of not and a lot of that is different expressions of fear that i should live a certain way which is a mental construct which has been sort of part placed in our head but we've also take responsibility for it being there versus not living with someone else's idea but actually creating our highest idea of what life should be right now and in every moment can you say that again can you say the part about what people say yeah. in their final moments and their regretful moments yes yeah, so i can i can certainly um find it out i'm really i have such a bad memory for where this comes from but i can find the research there's, there's a bunch of it mm -hmm. so we can put it in the show notes for people but one of the most common reflections of people in their final breath as they're passing um is that um their number one regret is that they didn't live the life that they truly wanted to live and that they had lived a life that they thought they were expected to live which depending on the individual and the context might have been my parents thought i should live i thought my parents wanted me to live this way or that society meant that i should have to just go to work even though and you know do that kind of the commute the office etc etc when deep down that wasn't fulfilling my soul now for some people that does that's totally cool right it's just about getting back in touch with yourself so that you are informing and co-creating your life versus being driven and drawn by the mental construct of others. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense to me. I mean, I think that bringing the story back to me again, but like, I think that that is one of my biggest fears is not living up to it's almost the opposite but not living up to my own full potential like i'll look at myself and see that i'm i have a lot of potential but i don't know where to place it and i freak out about not meeting it and i think in doing that i also blur myself and i um I lose the path because I'm freaking out about, am I on the path? But I feel like I can do this. And I, and I, I can see that being, being a huge thing of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be like 70 years old and wish I did this or wish I did that. And so in a huge way, I do take a lot of the opportunities I do take because I don't want to have that. And so anything even my family does live like that in a sense um very um much for we need to make sure that we enjoy this time that we have and so we go on a lot of adventures and we do a lot of things 
because of that, because we have the opportunity right now, let's do it right now. And we never want to look back and wish we did this or wish we did that. And so I do do that within my own life, but I do feel like there is um, a lot of a fear of not meeting my potential. And so I will maybe, and this is going to be a topic too, but I will compare myself to other people and I will say like, oh my gosh, they're my age. They've already accomplished this, that, and the other. They have had these degrees and all of these things. And what about me? Like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never felt, I will say, I've never felt more in tune with myself than now. I don't feel more into like now doing this podcast and doing something that feels like it's helping other people. Um, I feel like even with my voice and different things, I've, I've always kind of known in some way, these types of things are going to come together. And so I've never felt closer to the thing than now in my life. It's, I've never felt so close. So I've felt more myself than ever and just good than ever in that department. But that is a huge thing that I do. I will compare myself to people my age and I'm just like, oh, but I haven't done this and they've done this or they just came back with this master's degree and they, oh my gosh, like, but then I will remember why I didn't take that route as well, where it was just like, I didn't know what I wanted. So it didn't make sense for me to put myself or my family in a huge amount of debt if I didn't know what I wanted. And then I did something I didn't want to do just to not even do anything that has anything to do with that. And so I do know why I didn't choose those things, but I do get distracted in the comparison a lot of the times. And I feel like a lot of people do. A lot of people do fall into that trap of like... A comparison or external, like seeking external validation, of which comparison is like linked to that, is such a huge part of the world. Um, but I just want to stop, Let's don't, don't let me forget this, like a goldfish like this, I'll come back to this, but um, I, like it was beautiful when you're talking about how you are in yourself right now, more than you have been before. And I want to just touch on that and talk about you not wanting to leave, like to live your full potential with your language. So, if you are in yourself, you're in your fullest potential right now. Okay. And so just imagine living this in every moment until you're passing breath. And just sit with that. That will be your fullest potential. That'll be the most love, the most help that you can bring to this planet by being yourself. Yeah. And by living through yourself, not living through, even if they're slightly hidden, the external ideals of what impact or living my most purposeful life when it's an external metric is. So right now you're in it. Right now, like, and, and, and so I just wanted to like, just allow this moment, you know, for you to acknowledge that and for anyone else, you know, who's listening is, our purpose 
at its most simple is this right now, is this moment that we're sharing. That, and then when, it, when you're by yourself, it's your purpose is that moment right then. And it doesn't mean that you don't go about creating whatever it is you, you feel like you're, you're, you feel compelled through love to create in the world. But our purpose is right now, this moment right here. And so that, um, I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, versus the, you kind of not wanting to leave, having not done what you thought you needed to do, because you already are just by being here. And it might be helpful to, to acknowledge that you're experiencing that and then take some time at some point just to reflect on what is it that led you to living this moment? Because those become the practices we can start to put in place that help us live more of these moments and less of the moments that are defined by external validation, by the less of those moments that are driven by comparison. Because you are not that other person. We all know that, right? You are who you are. Mm -hmm. And so your, your most creative, abundant, joyful journey is in being you, not in trying to look like someone else or, look, or you being you with a little couple of touches of someone else's journey in you. Yeah, which is exactly what you were saying about people on their deathbed essentially saying, you know, I regret not living the life that I felt like I could have lived. Comparison is a major um, part of that. And, um, and just kind of a complete story that you tell yourself that's not even... It's not even, it doesn't even really exist. It's just a story that you're creating from thin air that you're going to lead on to believe your whole life. And I think that I really appreciate, and I like to bring it back to this pandemic because that's what's happening. Um, but I do feel very much that this pandemic is helping a lot of things. Um, it might not be quite obvious to everybody right now maybe it already is to you but a lot of people are really looking into themselves people who never have before and I think that that's just going to be the beginning of people really living a more purposeful life and seeing how fleeting life is and we get those reminders yes we do but never at this capacity we've never seen it so much and I think people realizing how fleeting life is will make them and encourage them to do the things that they really want to do. And I think that also in people losing their jobs and, and all of that, and then even realizing like, I hated my job anyways, I, that's not even what I wanted to do. And so what do I really want to do? What am I really good at? Um, this is going to be that time for a lot of people. And so I'm looking forward to what happens on the other side of this, believing that that's happening. Like I, I do strongly like think that. And so in saying that, I did have a question for you in regards to the pandemic as well. And just what is your interpretation of what's happening with the world? So um, 
I'd like to kind of bring that back to what my experience is perhaps, because that's all I really have, you know, like the, it's a highly complex situation because everyone is experiencing it in different ways. But I can, I can certainly talk to my own personal experience, but also the experience that I've become aware of through the work that I do, both with, you know, people in, in, in everyday life, as well as in corporate and not-for-profits and government and those sorts of things in different countries, is that um, maybe for the first time in at least living history, um, there was a big pause. So when lockdown happened, is what we call it in Australia. Yeah, um, so it's the same terminology everywhere. But you know, when effectively, for people who were used to waking up, morning routine, going to work, coming home, for eating, falling asleep, and then repeat. So for a lot of people, once the commute element or whatever that was to work was stopped, because everyone was either not working or working from home or bits on the spectrum in between, it put the system that we would kind of been used to in our daily rhythms on pause, that part of it. So we all have more time in our lives. So if you had a 10 minute walk, you had 10 minutes in your day. If you live in a city, you may have gained an hour, an hour and a half, two hours for some people. And not only did you gain time, but you actually were able to, because you're no longer kind of like robotically just following the daily rhythms, you were able to look at it and see it sit outside of it. And I heard lots of conversations going on and I had lots of conversations with people. It's like, wow, you know, after a while, once they'd kind of adjusted, a lot of people were like really grateful. I just had a conversation with a client this morning, um, just about how grateful they were for for being able to go for a walk, for example, here on the beach, you know, before work and to see the sunrise or to bump into someone and say, hey, you know, rather than everyone here, everyone getting onto buses and into cars and all those sorts of things, it, it, it created a pause in the system that is work that enabled people to both get some self-reflection on on what work means to them and, and like what those habits and daily rhythms and rituals were. Mm-hmm. And, and then also how they could start to potentially fill them with stuff that's actually going to bring them more joy and fill them up. So they've got more energy to bring to work, but also to bring to life. Those three different streams, you know, bring to their relationships and bring to, to, to their own life and how they reflect on, yeah, is this the job I want or whatever else it might be and just creating a life that, that they really want to live. So for me, the outside of some of the, you know, the big challenges that the pandemic has had, um, one of the, the, the big opportunities has been that. It's been that it's given people time and it's given them the space out away from the heavy, busy daily schedules to start to reflect and then understand how they might recreate life right now. And hopefully they're able to continue to build that into life as, it, as whatever is coming next comes next. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. So um, as well, you know, it's been amazing seeing nature flourish, you know, it's uh, yeah. I got pictures of friends um, in India 
you know, like of the, of the rivers that perhaps weren't the cleanest at some point in time and the fish returning and, you know, up yeah. on the reaches of the Ganges and stuff. But we even, I even saw it here just, I mean, we're pretty, we're super lucky here, but still the air quality got even crisper. And there's just so many things that, you know, the birds, the bird song, I don't know, like, I haven't checked into the biology or the science or anything, but pre, pre-spring, like, this bird song was just, was just audible everywhere, you know, and, and, and no sound of planes going overhead. I, m- I remember I saw one the other day and it was like, oh, wow, I forgot about it. We actually just talked about that today. Um, we heard a plane passing by and we actually, like, go outside to see it because we just don't hear them often. Um, and, and it is true, like even our seas are getting a huge break uh, from people, from fishing, um, from fishing for restaurants, for, for a lot of things. And yeah, definitely, I'm sure nature is replenishing itself. And yeah, and to come back to your, your kind of your question around COVID is um, we, we've been living in a system, a dominant system, the the kind of capitalist system in various parts of the world. And it's a system that takes more than it gives. So we know that for a long time, it's taken more from Mother Earth than it's given back. Hence why we have climate change and we have issues with overfishing and all these sorts of things. So it takes more from the environment. It's taken more from communities than it's given. So it ends up creating separation and isolation, social isolation, not just the COVID style, but we see this certainly in the West with elderly just being put into homes, you know, versus community looking after people. We see this with children, you know, being raised very differently to how they were, you know, hundreds, 200 years ago, where there was a bigger community bond. Therefore, there was a greater connection and support for people in community, which is incredibly important. So it takes more from the environment takes more from community and it takes more from us individually and one of the simple metrics for that is the mental health crisis on the planet which is, has become the biggest health crisis you know that has been experienced on, on the planet um, and what I feel like COVID has done again is it's kind of because it's put a, a pause on large parts of that system the work element but as a result, it's also reduced consumption. So it's reduced how like, people become more mindful because they've got less money or they're worried about maybe not having the same security financially. We've started to become, we think more about what we buy because it's been, people have been kind of quite unconscious with that for a long time. So we think more about what we're going to buy. So as a result, it, it helps reduce some of the pressure on, on, on the environment. So we're seeing the environment come back. And then we're also, I don't know if you've experienced this in San Pedro, but where I am, for example, um, there's just been this lovely, after we had this sort of, this initial sort of surge of fear. I don't know if you saw it in the news, but where people were going into um, the supermarkets and like hoarding toilet paper, completely mm. irrational. Right? It was mm-hmm. not a, this is not an illness that's got anything to do with toilets. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had an original kind of initial kind of surge of fear, and then that then slowly and it was really nice became replaced with as people had more time and they were walking more, getting out more, this kind of stuff. Just in in a few moments, you people were looking up again and they were smiling at each other and they were saying hi. And so so in this pause, the community is just the small shoots, you know, of positivity 
and then as we talked about the same on an individual level the time and the space to reflect is enabling people just to kind of water some of the seeds of life that they perhaps have neglected when they were in this story and lifestyle of being so busy that uh, that they weren't able to tend to themselves yes yeah so that's that's like one aspect i guess of my experience of, of this I think, yeah i mean it's definitely the biggest thing i think people can look at it from any angle everything is perspective and so these are our perspectives um this is how we're seeing it unfold and and seeing you know just kind of the phases of how it kind of happened and yeah we definitely had a time of it being super um just everybody was scared and and making frantic kind of movements and decisions and then now we're getting more used to it i feel like especially in the beginning of september i don't know why i feel this way but i feel like there's been a major shift in the way that we are operating now I think it's because we've accepted finally that this is what is happening and that we are wanting to move forward. Um, and I think that the shift that I feel like there is, is just that people are now ready to move into a forward direction rather than acting out of fear. But now we've sat down long enough with it that we can like make better calculated decisions. And then even with Belize, for instance, we were going to open our borders, but then we decided not to because we had a like sporadic influx of COVID all of a sudden. And now looking back at the time, I was really frustrated, but now I'm like glad that it happened that way because we could see where we were faulted and how ready we were not for it. So in saying that too, we can say that everything does have a reason um, or there, you know, like now looking back at that, I'm like, I'm glad that that worked out the way that it did because we could see how prepared we were not and how we just, we needed that moment. And then now we're going to reopen again. And this time more people are just embracing that more. We have the virus, which we didn't have very much of in the beginning. Now we have so much of it that we are fine with living with it. And we're not trying, we're, we're not living in as much fear because now it's here and we're realizing, oh, it's not so bad after all. I mean, yes, it is, but no, it's not. Um, it's not the way that we were saying it was or thinking it was going to be. And so I feel like people are realizing that life does have to go on and that there are ways and things that we need to do to prepare, but we just have to act in a very kind of calm and collected manner about it. And that all comes with being present and yeah, being it, still. Um, it draws me back to when you were talking about the hurricane. So COVID is an external situation. The hurricane is an external situation. The fear or the worry about it is not that helpful. Not, nor to is complacency or just denial. So let's just take the COVID as an example is if we can be present with it 
and understand it and realize that there's certain things that we can do to help mitigate risk in ourselves and in community and we do that then we're able to then start to live life in relationship with covid on the planet at this point in time but without the fear or with less fear because again the fear is something that draws us into stories of negativity and the what ifs and all these kind of you know the worry and the doomsday stuff and all these sorts of things that just all it does is it impacts our own mental and emotional state so it just creates greater stress that we hold within ourselves and anxiety that can keep kind of growing and moving you know and, and it's something that i think is really important as well that um we did just talk about maybe some of the the nicer parts of covid and what we've experienced or what we're experiencing as a result of it but if anybody is you know is feeling like overwhelmed stress anxiety as a result of the situation that they find themselves in it's so important to reach out and to share with people you know it's so important for people to know that they're not alone and that just just reaching out to anyone is the first step you know to helping just turn the volume down on some of that stuff that's really challenging and painful right now um, because this is a moment where if like everything is magnified so if you're present you have the ability to magnify that because we've got more time mm -hmm. but also the flip side of that is if people are going through challenges and they you know like they've just got this, this stuff going on in their head and it's getting big on them then reaching out and talking to someone is is just is is really so important and just you know however you can sharing what you're going through and just saying you need help because there's a lot of that that's going on as well i spend a lot of time here working with an amazing charity called lifeline for example which is a kind of mental health but suicide prevention it's the national charity here um and it's really i think they just wanted to it's important to acknowledge that as well for people that um, definitely that is, a, that is a reality right now so so um seeking support is so important i actually did want to ask you a question in regards to that uh you've answered it but just to you know the question that i had again you answered it but it was just along the same lines of just what does somebody do when they are feeling like this is the end like they just feel very stuck in their situation they lost they lost their job they have kids they um you know just multiple things they have so much debt um they might be going through a relationship breakup or so, all at the same time i feel like a lot of people everyone but a lot of people in their own ways are not just going through one thing they're going through many things at once and it's great and easy to say um, a lot of the things that we are saying um for sure but like you said definitely in talking about it and in seeking help there is a huge way that that can relieve just in one talking about it but there are a lot of people that are able to help but they don't know where to help and uh, we've seen that over and over again in this in this circumstance 
we might not be able to take away certain aspects of it, but we might be able to take away something from it. That's it. That's it. And I think that um, help can just be listening at some point, you know, but if you're feeling this, just knowing you're not alone and sharing is really important, you know, like just reaching out and just allowing that process and it takes time, but allowing that process to start to get like the, the, the moment to get less big on you and, and, and people, friends, family, um, you know, counselors, whoever it might be, whoever you've got access to, they don't need to be qualified. If they're, if they're just there and they're loving, that's the first step. So just know that you're not alone and that in reaching out for, for someone. And if you are that person, if, if you can, in that moment, just try and be truly there with that person and listen first and just support and love, the solutions will come, you know, versus trying to work out, get big in your head and try and work out what the solution is. Often it's just, often people just need to be heard, supported and loved first. Mm -hmm. uh, but also every context is different. So, so whoever, you know, you'll feel that yourself when you're in that moment. But yeah, if you're feeling it, reach out. If you are reached out to just try and put the rest of your day, doesn't matter what else you've got going on aside that moment, for as long as you can to just support that person through that. Um, you know, I think those are probably the two, you know, fundamental steps. There's other stuff that's kind of important that if you're in that, in that phase of it getting bigger, you know, there's a whole bunch of healthy habits that we can talk about. Mm -hmm. um, certainly reducing some of the things that change our chemical, the chemical balance within our system, such as alcohol, even coffee, all those sorts of things. Um, if you feel that you have a tendency to get stressed and stuff to get big on you, then, you know, what you put into your body has an effect. And that's, so it's really important. And everyone is unique in this, but it's really important to know just some of the simple stuff around, yeah, what stimulants might do to you in terms of how they pick you up, how they might then drop your energy levels lower, which might then cause you to have less capacity to be able to deal with changes and challenging situations and uncertain times. So um, there's, you know, there's a series of, of kind of habits and, and other ones would be stuff like um, just breathing, you know, breathing and going for a walk and getting into nature. I know um, it's very easy to talk about meditation and, and, you know, it's been a part of my life, but I also know through the work that I do in various places like big banks and stuff that um, there's a lot of barriers to words and practices like meditation, which is either like, yeah, yeah, go hug a tree or, <laughs> yeah. or I've tried it. I just can't do it. My mind's too full because they, they got a, they got their own perception of what meditation should be. So I think that sometimes what's helpful is just, we, there's, there's a bunch of stuff that we all know that we all used to do as children that really help create more peace and stability in ourselves both mentally and emotionally and spiritually that we just need to remind ourselves of so in in the instance where it's big reach out uh, prior to that just start doing some of the stuff that that just is, is is it brings drops of peace into your day which can be going for a walk leave the phone you know and just switch that off 
go for a walk in nature and just even if it's a short one you know just yeah. breathe deeply and just taking taking the wonders you know taking the blue skies in belize or taking the, the you know the oceans and the waters or taking a smile from someone that's you're passing you you know yeah we can't Please. see their smiles they're wearing masks <laughs> i'm kidding but but in all in you saying this i think this would be a really great time to mention um just your tiny little book that you did share with me and that is something that um you would have liked to share with all of the people who listen to my podcast which is a very nice thing so alan wrote a little book called creating peace in uncertain times and um, he shared it with me and he gave me a promo code, my first ever promo code. So if you go to alanreva.com, you will find the book there. Um, if you go to purchase the book, you can use my promo code Natasha2020 and you get the book for free. It's a tiny little book that has these great little tips and reminders of little things that you can do every day that can help you just like with what you're saying right now, just tiny little things like journaling, being playful, several different little reminders that maybe having and looking through and maybe writing down. And I don't know, something fun you can do is setting a reminder on your phone that kind of comes to you that says, you know, be playful for the next 30 minutes or breathe for, you know, the next five minutes or whatever it is. Um, try to implement a little bit of those things into your life and then you'll just find yourself kind of doing it more and more or whatever it is that works for you. But, um, and it was very cute. I loved it. I skimmed right through it. I loved it. Um, a lot of it were things that we, we all know, you know, but it was just a really nice reminder. And I like a lot, of, a lot of the little tips that you gave that kind of maybe were ways that I don't do it, but I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try it that way instead. So I really like that. And so that's, that was, yeah, I feel that was a great little place to insert that. And, and, <laughs> and my first promo code, which I'm very, <laughs> Alan was like, you could have your first promo or you could have a promo code. And I was like, what? That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, if um, it is just a reminder, and that's, that was kind of, the, the, you know, partly the purpose of it was just to remind us of the stuff that we already know, that this is not, a, this is not the Tibetan book of the living and dead, you know? It's not mm -hmm. like the kind of spiritual mindfulness book. It's, it was written for, for anybody that could pick up uh, in any walk of life and at any stage and just remember to build things into our days that help us. Like one of the practices is smiling. Like smiling is literally our superpower. So if we, when we smile, we start to reduce a lot of the stress hormones that are existing when we're, when we're tired and they start to release all of the good stuff in us. That, so chemically, it actually starts to, a smile creates more of a smile like within us. And so just that as a habit, right? Just the habit of doing that and then if you walk down to the street and just smiled at people and felt the smile, right, you know, then not only are you having yourself feel better, but in times when they then start to smile back, even if you can just see it in their eyes through the masks, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that also, that also energetically starts to create 
a response mechanism that picks us up even further as well. So there's such like simple, simple things. And as you talked about, like walking in nature uh, and spending time, you know, even when we're eating, spending time just being present, you know, like, and I, we do this as a family. We have this lovely moment where we just share what we're grateful for mm-hmm. in the day. And mm-hmm. um, they can be the smallest things. They don't have to be the big, I conquered the world uh, moments. It can be as simple as, I mean, like at one point, Noah, who's my little boy, he said, uh, I remember he just said, he said, I'm grateful just for us hanging out. You know, and like that just like filled me up. <laughs> and, and, and so like these are the simplest things that we can all do. You know, we don't need to be able to sit cross-legged on a mountain top and meditate for three hours, you know, for this to happen. We can really start to fill our cup up, you know, with just the good stuff so that we've got more capacity in ourselves. We've got more clarity in the way we approach life. We've also got more to give ourselves and to others um, as we travel through uncertain times because as your borders open, who knows what's coming next? We just know that we're living in a, in, like life has always been in change and flux. We had this illusion of control to a degree. And so we are, the nature of things is we're going to continue to live in, live in uncertainty. So the more that we can actually just find practices and implement the simple ones that can only, you know, even two or three minutes can start to add more drops of peace into our days, then they just help us kind of navigate our way through the challenges that will naturally come up in our daily lives. So, yeah, it's, um, uh, um, you know, and so thank you so much for sharing it. It's, um, it's been a lovely journey, just allowing it out into the world. And, and not only if whoever's listening um, feels like they want to download it and, and it's super easy, you can just dip into it and dip out as well, you know, on any page. But if you know anyone that is struggling right now, or if you know someone who you just feel you could put a smile on their face by sharing it with them, then I'm super, super happy for, you know, you to pass that on to a friend as well. So I'm sure that the link and the, the code will be in the show notes and, and um, you know, it's, it's there to help and it's there to help anyone at any time. So, so feel free to gift it on as well. Yes, definitely guys. Sharing is caring. Um, I, I love everything that we said. Um, I love everything that you just said as well. Um, a lot of very beautiful, great points, especially, um, gratitude is, is, is such a huge thing. Um, something as simple as writing down five things you're grateful for can just make so much difference. And you might even find yourself with the intention of writing five and then end up writing 30 or, you know, who knows? Um, it's just, it's a great place to be. Um, I always hear from a lot of like spiritual leaders and things that you can't never, you can't ever really feel two things at once. So when you are grateful, you can't really feel, you know, sad or whatever it is. It takes that away for a moment. And so in that moment of gratitude, that's all you really are. So having more of those moments means having more moments and just a more positive vibration, which is really great for your mental health, which in turn is really great for your entire body, which is exactly what we need right now. Um, Taking care of your mental health is of of utmost importance right now. And, um, and a lot of the times we, we neglect that. 
And so it, it, again, it's, it's just the most important thing or one of the most important things um, for everybody right now. And it's very difficult. Yeah. And I might add to that, that um, these practices are, um, we each find the stuff that works for us. It's just like exercise, you know, like for one person running might be their thing. And if you think that you just want to, follow that person and be a runner running might not be your thing so you might start it and drop off right in australia for example a big business is gym chains that sign people up and they never go again right? <laughs> because obviously the gym is part of that is, it, is it's not what best suits you and so we all have different stuff for some people it might be swimming some people might be running some people might be just doing yoga and stretching for other it might be tennis whatever it might be um in, in terms of physical exercise. And it's the same thing with these practices that just help us on a mental health perspective, on an emotional health perspective. And then if it's what you're into on a spiritual level as well, that um, there's thousands of different practices. This has been going on for as long as man and woman has been around. And so have fun and play with different things. And that's kind of why this book could have been a lot more practices, but yeah, there's kind of 13 that are in there, plus one which is, you know, have you discovered anything yourself as well, um, is you just find stuff that works for you. And it, what works for you also one month or one year may well shift because your routines have changed or your mindset's changed. So allow it to be fluid. You know, allow yourself to continue to find things that work for you in the life stage and in the moment that you're in. And I think that's, that's helpful. So you're not then thinking that just because John next door meditates for three hours, somehow he's more mindful than you, you know, it's, it's, the, the, there is no rating of this stuff. The only thing that you can truly know is how peaceful you feel in this moment. And that is in part a result of knowing what practices work for you to get you into that state and out of a state of distraction, overwhelm, stress, anxiety, etc. Yes. I love it. I love everything you've said. Um, something that I want to talk about is your book, The Jar of Dreams. I would like you to sort of give us a, a very small, maybe synopsis of what it's about and where that's going for you and um, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> So the jar of dreams is, um, it, it came to me in a dream halfway up a mountain in the Himalayas when I was living there. And Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't I was, realize it was so far back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it came to me at like some point in the middle of the night and I was sleeping under this glacier that was like cracking, amazing, just like full body experience, just hearing it moving and shaking as it goes down. You know, I'd had this, this dream that was really vivid. So I woke up, found my head torch and a piece of paper and pencil and scribbled it down and then went back to sleep so I didn't forget it. So the, the dream and then the, the book has kind of written itself through me. I wake up at like, I would wake up at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and I'd be in this kind of state that's kind of in between dream state and, and wake. And that would be the space that effectively the book would just kind of come. So through. it'll be like chapter 11. Is <laughs> 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 that how it works? <laughs> it, it just, uh, 
yeah it's it's like it's organic you know like it, it doesn't it just it's like i um i would be in in that world so ashu who's the main character who's this 12 year old boy um i've lived as ashu throughout this whole journey but i've actually as it's grown i've actually lived as every single character in the book even if they've only got one line for example i've lived their life inhabited them all the way back to their birth and so it's like this lived experience that also then in writing terms in like m makes me understand completely how they would react in that moment even if they've got one line like what mm -hmm. would their voice be what would they be thinking how would they be feeling in that situation so it's an interesting thing to try and explain well, wait, yeah, what do you mean you live through them? Through your dreams or in your real life? No, in my real life. So I will, um, I'll, I'll sit, for example, uh, recently I've just been through what's called a structural edit, kind of jumping ahead now, but that's all right, um, <laughs> which is part of the publishing process. Um, and in, in that, I spent six months in this edit, which um, basically some of the feedback was that people really resonated with some characters. Like you would like in the, in the, in the sneak peek part that you wrote, you know, uncle Boji, everyone's like, Oh man, I hate that guy. You know, like they're really like, you know, like really feel it, you know? And, uh, and he's like such a bully and all this stuff. Right. And, and so people would be like, like really full body reaction to some characters and other characters initially like Ashu, or Malakim, who is the jinn, the evil spirit who steals Ashu's dreams. Um, I'd get this feedback that like, man, I really like Malakim. But that was it. As in they liked the idea of him, but they couldn't quite feel him enough. And what I realized when I sat with a lot of that feedback was that the characters that I didn't know, like Boji and a few of the others, I spent a lot of time actually like like literally becoming them. Like I, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm Boji. I live in Shabdikosh. Like I've got, my whole world is like driven by how people see me. Like my own sense of self-worth is that. So as a result, I'm constantly putting people down to try and build myself up and all this kind of stuff, right? And slowly the character like invites you in and you like, you have to, you just, you just, you're them. So you're not them throughout the whole day. I don't go and become a bullying narcissist like Boji in the workplace. But when I'm, writing, <laughs> when I'm writing, I, um, I'm them. You know, like when I'm writing about them. And, yeah. um, and so the same thing with Malakim, I actually, it was quite a, quite a challenging experience because I had to work out what trauma he had to go through to want to steal every child's dreams. And therefore let bring them into living their life through fear through the dark mists of fear that he places in you when he steals your dreams and so i i, I remember i was like three days it took me because i would like glimpse it i'd be in i'd be like malakim and i would glimpse what happened to him when he was younger and i was like oh that's a bit heavy i'm kind of used to living my life in quite a nice flow right and i had to like experience his trauma and um so so yeah so after the dream the book writing the book has become this kind of lived experience i don't think when i'm writing um um elizabeth gilbert 
has a lovely way of putting it. And she wrote this great book called Big Magic, but obviously most people will know her for Eat, Pray, Love. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she talks about writing as a state of wordless wonder. And as she describes that, she talks about that being, sounds a bit odd because a book is about words. But it really, that really does describe in a much more eloquent way my experience of it, which is I'll sit there and I'll be in the experience and in the world that Ashu is experiencing in that moment. And all I'm doing is I'm just describing like what I'm, what I'm experiencing in that moment. So it's the most, like, it's the most fun experience because it's almost like living in a parallel world that I get to kind of step into. And of course, it's, a, it's an allegorical novel, which means that it has this, this story on top, but it has a life journey underneath. And so it becomes really fulfilling for me because it's also a series of mirrors that help me kind of just reflect on Ashu's journey as a 12 year old growing through and moving, like moving through his fears, the fears that Malachim has implanted in him on his journey towards refinding, rediscovering and living his highest dreams. And of course he meets all these characters that either help him give him wisdom along the way or try and trip him up and kill him and all this kind of, all these things that are going on. And, and so the, the life journey bit is a beautiful kind of, it's a lesson for me in how I want to be each day in life. And there's sort of some lovely quotes in there that come through that, um, that again, just kind of came through. And, um, and then also there, there's the fun imaginative storyline and journey and worlds that he encounters and the characters he encounters along the way. Wow. Yeah. So this came to you over 17 years ago? So this came to me, uh, I worked this out when I first wrote The End. Uh, it's been a project that I've put no, I've got no expectation for. I've got no pressure on it. I've allowed it to flow through life. My day job puts the food on the table. So it's like, I have no kind of like egoic desire to be famous or author or any of this sort of stuff, because I just love the experience of being in the moment and living this and anything else would pull me out of that you know mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah so it came to me um it came to me a couple of days after 9 11 um and the twin towers and the only reason i know that is because when i wrote the end i had this experience where i kind of sat in this cafe that i've been writing in and just kind of almost kind of like just reflected on and relived a number of the experiences all the way back to when the dream came and I remember when um, a couple of days after the dream, we were coming down the mountain and, and some locals were running up um, and they stopped to ask us if we'd seen an American group. And we're like, yeah, yeah, they're, you know, two days up on this side of the mountain with all this kind of stuff. We asked why and they said, because America had been invaded. And that was all they said. So I didn't actually realize that the Twin Towers had happened until I think probably like six weeks later or something. Whoa! I sitting in a cafe because I was up in the mountains and you know no no nothing. Other that than sounds nice. Um, <laughs> I saw it on a TV screen and it you know I was like what what's that and I kind of found out and then obviously you know that was put two and two together. So yeah, it's it was a long time ago that the the dream came and and then um, it was sort of a fun side project for a while. And then about five years ago, um, I had a year. Um, where it would, I just wake up each morning, like I was saying, like at 4.30 and it's just streaming through me. 
it was like I, I had no choice. I had a choice, but this was my choice was to inhabit this world and enjoy the writing. And it just became so enjoyable. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I was running a CEO of a company at the time. Uh, I had two little children and all sorts of other stuff going on. And I just, I just made, made time and space for it. And, um, and so now, skip forward all that, all that time. Um, it, um, we're just in, in advanced conversations with um, a couple of publishers, both here and in the UK and, uh, and in India as well. Um, so my lovely, it always sounds odd to say this, but the guy who's the agent for the book, mm-hmm. uh, Greg, wow. who's human, um, he looks after all that, which is really nice. Um, and um, I just get to kind of enjoy the, the craft of this. So yeah, so it's um, it'll be out um, most likely in an uncertain world that we live in, COVID dependent and everything else. But uh, it'll be out next year. But um, yeah, like uh, I'm always happy sharing stuff because I just love, I just, I just, I just love putting it out in the world and you know, hearing how it's helped people because it's a novel. It sort of helps people in different ways to like, uh, let's just say a spiritual or a self-help book or any of these sorts of things, you know, novel and narrative and story has a way of just allowing wisdom to seep into us and lessons to seep into us versus kind of, you know, hold them up in black and white. And um, yeah, it's been so lovely just, um, you know, just, and I'm just starting to share bits through the website as well. Um, And um, yeah, and then sort my, act out and sort out the socials too and all that kind of stuff but generally it's through the website and through a fun monthly email that i kind of is written by ashu who's the little boy and he kind of you know he'll, he'll kind of tell you about where he's at what he's experiencing and all this kind of stuff and he might allow me just to give people if they want it like a little update on when the book's coming and stuff but it's generally <laughs> it's that's his life it's his letters from places like the Endless deserts of Naj. He just sent a letter out recently, or the mountains of Milam, or the oceans of Zalpaz, or something. You know, he'll—it's like he's writing a letter back home. That's so beautiful. I think that that also ties in with everything that you said in the beginning about following your intuition, and then it ties into everything we said about being present and purpose and all of these things just being tied together in one for you at this moment creating this book and you just listen to these things that a lot of people might be getting in different ways and shapes and forms and whatever that might be and you chose to listen to it and just you know follow it and let that unfold for whatever it was. And I think even something else that you mentioned was like there was no ego tied to it. It was just for fun. And I think that that's when the best things come out and come into fruition. It's just when you're just doing things out of pure passion and enjoyment of the thing, no matter everything that's going on in your life. It's, it's amazing when you do find that thing. And those things come in those moments of being present and quiet and still and when you're not yeah. so distracted. Yeah. And it's not that you don't, that thought is not a part of it. It's just that you tend to, I tend to find that I'll bring thought in after I've had the clear intuition. 
because then thought helps kind of then turn that into reality. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's probably a different way from certainly the way that I was brought up, which was mind first and all this kind of stuff. You know, think your way through things and have goals and plans and all this kind of stuff. And it becomes so dominant. Mm -hmm. That stuff you still have, but it's not all you have. And so for me, the book as well as life has just been an ongoing lesson for me that life gets richer in every way when I tap back into other aspects of myself, like my intuition, and then let that play with and create with aspects like emotion and mind to then become reality. Wow. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad for this. Yeah. So guys, that's the jar of dreams. Um, that will be coming out in 2021, but you can um, subscribe, right, to your um, website, which is thejarofdreams.com. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also have an Instagram page for it, um, right? Yes, you do. Well, it just followed me. Ashu opened his own Instagram. Um, <laughs> but you do have an Instagram as well. Um and so people can subscribe and they can get their little notes and their little messages until that time comes. Um, and then I'll also be sharing it on my social medias until that time comes, because this is very exciting and congratulations on this. This is very cool. Thank um, you. And if anyone does want to get in touch around that or anything else, then um, through my website, so Alan, reva.com mm -hmm. um just at the bottom of each page you can just drop me a message and i'll respond you know like there's a little form there and stuff so if there's anything that we've talked about or anyone's interested about anything if you're looking for more resources on things more information or you just want to connect then super happy you know that's, that's a big part of my life is just to be here and open for people that's beautiful I absolutely love it. Um, something before we go that I want to talk about before I ask you for your last message, because we did talk about it right before we um, started recording, but also something that I feel like you do for people, and I might not have the full understanding of this concept, but I do feel like you are the person or like a facilitator in this, but you help people connect to the Japanese concept of ikigai which is like your reason for being and um, I I just kind of want us to touch on that a little bit because I feel like it's literally I don't know it's what you do I think it's mm -hmm. kind of what we kind of all want to achieve and it's just kind of I don't know I just kind of want to talk about this concept. So Ikigai is essentially like your reason for being and it's where like what you love doing meets what you're good at doing meets what you're paid or you end up getting paid for doing, which is something that the world needs. So I feel like that's a part of like, I don't know if I'm getting it but I feel like that's what you kind of do or what all of this has been. It's been like 
finding the things that you love to do and connecting all of that and then doing it and then I guess getting paid for making that your livelihood at least. And um, I don't know. I just kind of, isn't that, isn't that what you do? <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> What's kind of interesting is generally what I do is what people experience for themselves as a result of our interaction. So they all define, everyone defines it as they need to. Right. But um, Ikigai is a, it's a lovely concept and a way of living you know i think that helps move people from just that transactional what i can get paid for into like what the world needs can start to inform bits of service like how i can help as well and then what you're good at is great because it enables kind of self-reflection and what you love draws you even deeper because then you start to live in this state of stuff, you know, this state of presence uh, and this state of finding who we are as love and then bringing that out into the world. And so beyond all of the layers and the stories and the identities and all those sorts of things, when we, like in my experience is that when we come in to this earth, we come in as love, just present. And then over time we learn stuff. And then I've been really lucky through my beautiful grandmother and other people who I, you know, when the people pass is, um, and my grandmother passed and then came back and I'm with her and she told me about her experience. When we pass, we pass as love. And we pass into love is how she described it. She described it as paradise and love. And so- Are you saying that your grandmother came to you after she had passed? No, I was physically with her. And but what how was she able to tell you this? Because she she passed over and then came back to life. And then lived another nine days, which I stayed with her, and then she passed. So she 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 was in a you know very late stage of of cancer. And um and so so yeah, so she she had the experience, like a near-death experience, is what it's termed medically. Mm-hmm. Um and um I arrived on the plane and into the into her room just after she had, had that and I was just blessed to be able her eyes were sparkling and um I would just wet her tongue because her saliva glands were stopping at that point. She, she just described the experience that she had when she passed over, which she describes as love, state of love. And she said, it's like paradise. And she's like, that's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's where we go to. It's where we come from. And um, so when, like, I felt so, and then I got to spend nine days with her in the hospice just the whole time as she kind of peacefully left her body. Um, and had what she described at the point as one of her best parties. Of her <laughs> Just because she was so peaceful. She'd had that experience and she realized, you know, like the essence of life. And I think that coming back to the key guy, um, you know, like what you love, not what you're, you think you're supposed to love, but truly finding what you love inside you is such a enriching experience that you then can't help but infuse it into every other aspect of your life which includes your work which is what you get paid for what the world needs which might be your job or it might just be the fact that you being present with this person right now 
that's it. You know, you you are love, and you're giving them love, and that's that's all the world needs in that moment. And the world can be and should be just in the moment. You get too grandiose, you start to get distracted by ego. Um, and um, naturally, what you love by default is what you're really good at, because you're not trying to be something that you're not. You're actually coming back to be who you are. So, key guys are lovely. It's a lovely concept. Um, and I think it's super helpful the way it's broken down for people. Um, and yeah, my, 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 my work and my role is really, I feel like to be a mirror, you know, to be a mirror for people individually, um, and just to help them see themselves clearer and then come back to themselves beyond the structures of ego and identity to find who they truly are and to embed that in their relationships and in their life through work with their loved ones and with themselves. And it, it, it sort of gets described in lots of different ways, you know, like I'm an advisor and a consultant in the workspace. Mentor. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guide and a mentor on a personal level, and just a friend. So what I will say about everything that you just said is I mean, how fulfilling must that all be? I mean, when you do find that thing that you love and, and all of that, which is very ideal. Um, also, you might not be good at it right away, but because you love it, you're interested in like becoming better at it and, and all of that stuff. And everything is gradual, which is another note to sell for me. I want to be good at something right away without like, you know, going through the motions of getting to that stage. And so that's something to remind myself of. Uh, and so I just want to say with everything that was said, um, thank you um, for everything. It was very beautiful. I'm really happy to have that conversation. Like I said before, I feel like it won't be the most popular conversation, but I do still feel like it will be the most meaningful conversation. And um, and I love it. And I love having these conversations. It's not very much that I do get to have them. And this was a part of the deal for me. This was a part of what I wanted to do with the podcast and to have these kinds of things that have helped me in my life and, and being connected to people like yourself and being able to share these conversations with more people. And, and hopefully, you know, something connects or whatever happens, I'm okay with whatever. Um, in the same way that you feel, you know, you're doing the book without the ego and everything. I'm just doing this podcast as a hobby. It, it's, it's just really something that I feel like I should do, like I want to do. I, I, I'm doing it more than anything else I do. It's the thing that I'm more um, inclined and drawn to to learning more about right now in my life and um i'm i'm happy to do it um for nothing i just want to i just really genuinely want to do it and i really want to genuinely get better at it and i just look forward to talking and connecting to more people the other day i wrote down all the people i had gone on live with instagram and now the people that i've done with podcasts and i was like oh my gosh i've connected with this many people already how awesome is that and from every talk i personally have gained a lot and so thank you 
very much for taking the time to share and to be with me and all of that. And um, something that I'd like to do at the end is to have um, my guest say kind of a message, a quote, anything that you would like to end on. If there's anything that they, they would take away, um, it would be this. Well, firstly, thank you. Thanks for having me and thanks for, um, you know, thanks for stepping through what you've stepped through, you know, fears and challenges and your own stories to, to create this, you know, because it really feels like it is you and it's something that is just creating more magic in your life. And, and that's, that's enough. You know, it's, 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 it's so easy to get drawn into metrics, how many people listen or like or all these sorts of things. But if you're doing that and you're not in the magic of life, you're missing something. So you're starting from the right point and it, it will become whatever it needs to become. And as you said right at the start, you know, if this chat that we've had helps one person, that's beautiful. If it just helps you and me in this lovely, you know, conversation that we've had, that's perfect too. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's, um, you know, that's probably something for maybe for all of us as a lesson in that is success is in the experience of the moment, not in a measurement that is derived from some external source. And it's super hard in a world that is so infused with social media and likes and comments and all these sorts of things. And of course it's, has a chemical reaction, you know, the checking of social media and of being liked, etc. But if people can come back to just being in the moment and enjoying what we have right now, you know, maybe it's the food that is on your plate right now, maybe it's the nature that you're walking in, maybe it's the conversation that you're having with someone, and it may be challenging as well. That's all right, you know, like life is challenging and it's actually about how we can help ourselves navigate those challenges um, but if people can know that what you're doing right now is really your own perfection you are being exactly who you can be right now so so don't be too hard on yourself but also be open to traveling within yourself and finding more of yourself to bring out into the world and i think um if we can all do that over the period of the 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years that we're blessed with, then our life will be richer. We'll get to the end, hopefully, with a smile like my beautiful grandmother did. And hopefully we've created a few more smiles with others along the way. And the earth becomes a more loving and richer place for it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been lovely hanging out as always. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. Yay. You made it through the episode. This is so exciting. I'm so happy about this. I just wanted to reiterate the website and the promo code. So it is alanriva.com. A-L-A-N-R-I-V-A.com. 
promo code Natasha2020 for a free copy of Creating Peace in an Uncertain World. Also, on his website, you will actually see how amazing Alan Riva is and all of the really cool things that he does. I just have to say, again, he really is amazing. The Jar of Dreams is going to be amazing. I was able to get a sneak peek of it. And I just feel right now very special and very lucky to be able to be having this conversation with this person. And I hope that I am able to have more of these conversations. Of course, next time it'll be shorter and we'll have, you know, maybe we'll do a certain topic or a question or something like that. But Alan is just so full of great wisdom and anything he says is just, is just amazing. And so I hope that you all were able to gain a lot of insight from that. Look in my um, show notes for links and sources that were mentioned throughout the episode. And again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being so supportive of me to the people who are here on Alan's behalf. Thank you guys for for listening and, and for your support as well. And And I hope that this was a good experience for you. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you again.